the Seeking Truth podcast. I went back in the coffers today and, and found an old recording from a couple of months ago when Jeff Davidian and I were talking about uh, an interaction that we had with a police officer who came up to the bridge and and asked us to take our signs down because you're not allowed to have signs attached to the bridge, which we didn't. We had them on stands, and they came up there and harassed us anyways, telling us that, well, you shouldn't be doing this because it's um, distracting to drivers. And so we had a back and forth. Well, what about these billboards and these flashing lights that are telling you to slow down? And it was, you know, this interaction that the cop just wanted to come there and uh, wield his power over us. And so that got us thinking a little bit about freedom and, and what freedom means. Are we are we really free to display signs for political speech that for something we believe in? Or does it come at the cost of, you know, in this case, being harassed by uh, the police officer? So uh, anyway, that's a little bit of background of what this episode was about, and without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome to uh, another edition of the Seeking Truth podcast. I'm Kyle Puckhaber. And I'm Jeff Davidian. We're at the uh, Vienna Avenue overpass over Interstate 43, and we're waiting for the Sheriff's Department to come and rouse us. I'm sorry we did not bring them coffee this morning. Or donuts. Yeah, we're just, our hands were full. We have two signs and four four stands this morning. We are ready to rock and roll. Uh, We did, we wanted to get a box of donuts and affix them to the fence and see if that was okay. They don't want us fixing things to the fence, but. Yeah, we need to have some kind of a slope to know when they came and hit on them. Fishing get them like to stick their head out of the window if they drive under the bridge and see if they can get one. Oh, there must be some kind of a uh, commendation, commendation for that with the sheriff where they get a donut badge or something on their uniform. I wonder what the limit is. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, That's a good question. It's a season even. Donut season. Deputy season. Trolling out of season. <laughs> anyway, no, I have to say that we have been uh, visited by the sheriff's department twice ourselves, and some of our colleagues have also been. And they've uh, been very nice. Yeah, they've been nice, but they don't seem to grasp the concept of uh, communication and elect, uh, you know, the electoral process. They're concerned about traffic safety. They say. So, anyway, we were talking, one thing we thought we would talk about today is in light of this uh, police presence, we call this the land of the free, and the election is sort of how we express our freedom, and we go to die for it. When somebody burns our flag, we get our, uh, we get all uptight, and we get nationalistic, but are we free? Are we free when you, you're sitting openly in favor of one candidate, the sheriffs keep coming to ask you to, to leave or check whether you're legal. 
This is, that's just one element of it. It's not a big element, but really the concept of freedom, do we know what that means, or do we just put our hands on our hearts and mumble the words? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about the history of it in the United States, right? So people came over from, uh, from Europe and from England and were ruled by the king of England and had to do what they were told by these people. And there's a group of people that were upset with that, and they're like, let's start a revolution. And uh, you have to be pretty pissed off to start a revolution. Yeah. It, you know, and I heard it's only like 10% of the population wanted a revolution. Yeah. It doesn't take much. No. So, anyway, uh, people don't like this taxation without representation. So they're like, let's start our own government. Uh, let's rule ourselves. Let's do it uh, based on these. Uh, Truths we hold to be self-evident. That's right. Um, and but they're not self-evident, are they? It's well, just a, that's just the use of what's words. What's the truth? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. They're not created equal. They're created equal uh, constitutionally now, with the interpretation of the Constitution, to mean that we all have the same rights. But we're not created equal. I don't think we're created equal. Some people are have physical deformities, some people, uh, uh, I mean, you know, some are men, some are women. They're, they're, they're not the same, but their rights are equal. So it's not self-evident. It's something you fight for. And we continue to fight for. I guess the fact that, the fact that we are fighting uh, means that it's not self-evident, otherwise it would be evident. What's evident is that it is not equal. So you're saying if it was self-evident, we wouldn't have to be fighting for it. If it wasn't self-evident, we wouldn't be fighting for it. But this is just, these are just words. And the word liberty or freedom, that's, that's not the same as liberty or freedom, and we mean different things. There's uh, On Liberty, the John Stuart Mill book On Liberty, where they talked about what we mean, what do we mean by liberty, uh, and is, is it somewhere between anarchy and authoritarianism is a, an area that we, I guess, have come to define that that area that is uh, not in anybody's face, and you can do it indoors. I guess I had a political science professor that described... Um, what ought to be done with uh, a society is somewhere between what you're talking about, authoritarianism and, and communism. You have... Anarchy. On, uh, well, this is the way that he put it, on the left and the right. And you have on one side... Uh, imagine a basketball game. And you have a referee in this basketball game. And there's a referee that calls everything, every little thing, and it's not even a foul, but they're calling it. So this is too much government intervention. This is your super leftist, super um, state-controlled... Uh, your state-controlled society. Uh, on the other hand, you have a ref that doesn't call any fouls. Nobody's playing by the rules. People are getting elbows to the face. And it's everyone for themselves. And the right government is somewhere in between there. Um, well, then you have some teams 
that play by the rules, and then you have some team that know the guy's not going to call it, and they know how much they can do, and then they try to cheat or get away with as much as they can. Or they paid the ref off. Yeah, or something. And that is sort of the political system, isn't it? We have some politicians whose goal is to play fairly, and we have others that want to fix the game and distract the ref so that they can get everything that they want and win, and some people cheer that on. And uh, can liberty, or whatever we call liberty or freedom, can, it, can that endure when people are trying as hard as they can to cheat and they're, and they're uh, getting the ref out of the way? What's the point of playing fairly? You're talking about Patriots fans. Yeah, among <laughs> others. But why play fairly? It's just for the. It's just the honor. Is it just honor, or is it a? I think fairness is something that's uh, innate in our human uh, faculties. I think that people want fairness, and when you have fairness in a society, people get along better. When it's unfair, I think is when you get havoc. That's when things get ugly. Well, when it gets unfair to you, it gets ugly. Yeah, I guess it could get ugly if it's if it's and, fair and you're just losing and you just have a fit. Yeah, but I mean, if it's unfair in Uganda or, or Rwanda or in Iraq, well, we don't, you know, I mean, people generally just don't pay attention to it. They don't want to be bothered. Well, Americans don't. Yeah, well, that's people. They're, you know. Yeah, but people in Uganda pay, are, are paying attention oh, yeah. to it. So I'm saying that just that the fact that it's unfair doesn't mean that everybody gets in an uproar about it. Yet there is an innate sense of injustice. And when we see an injustice, I think everybody sees that. Whether, whether they care is another thing, but we're able to discern it when it happens. One of the things I think that's interesting is uh, whenever there's a crisis, people will come together. I think we're so divided in the United States on the left and on the right. If we had an alien invasion, we'd all put our differences aside and we would, we would come together as a people. Yeah. We would find out as that... As a race. What's that? As a human race. As a human race, right. Yeah. So... If, there, if we didn't have these slogans, One Nation Under God, Freedom, Tri-Cornered Hat, Paul Revere, George Washington, and, uh, and an ambassador got shot overseas, would we care? What would be the unit that we would feel had been offended, that we're part of, if it wasn't for the myth? Well, that's an interesting thing. So I think myth has so much power. And the myth is what drives people to work together uh, to, to trust in something greater than themselves. It also makes them uh, susceptible to uh, people who use the myth to, uh, to control them. Like it's in all of our interests to have 
x-ray machines at the airport to see through your clothes. Just for all of us. There's a, there's a book called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And the thesis of the book is that Homo sapiens were able to adapt and outlive other humanoid creatures like Neanderthals and some of the other ones that were around, you know, uh, 20, 15, 20,000 years ago because of their ability to believe in fictions. When you have a group of people, you can only really um, understand and really know about 100 people. So you have a tribe of about 100 people and that's all that you can manage. However, if you have a myth that everyone believes in, you can command millions and millions of people. And that's the ability that's gotten people to cooperate on the level that we've had. It also has been used as, as uh, divisiveness to get people to do certain things and yeah and with the with the advent of the state there's the fear of treason there's punishment for not buying into the fiction that is they, they can kill you they can execute you if you work against the the fiction and that's a frightening thing too because we think treason oh my god treason against your own people but a free thinker uh, can be really doing a service to people by being an iconoclast and trying to show that it's false and uh, and they just kill him. As a matter of fact, under Obama, uh, it was okay to kill people who were even Americans without a trial if they were seen as enemies of the state. Did that happen? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know about that. What happened? Yeah, he approved it. I mean, it's when you think that people don't need to have a trial to be executed, that's quite a contrast to this to any concept of liberty or freedom. Liberty or freedom means you're free to do that part that we haven't usurped for ourselves. You're free to choose the brand that you face. You're free to stand on in this space and speak as long as you don't incite riot. Or it's a lot of times you see there's a gathering of people to protest, and they're allowed to go do their protest on three square blocks between a certain period of time, but they have to provide security, or they, they you know, they want to let you protest, but they're going to make sure it's inconsequential. And there's no harm when a real protest breaks windows and starts fires. Did you know? Uh, so one of the one of the cops that came and, and talked to us about our banners, he said that uh, when people were protesting at the Capitol during Act Ten, that they weren't allowed. Oh no, we're losing the we're losing the thing. Actually, that looks all right. Well, well, we lost the sign. We got a sign malfunction, so we gotta we gotta read. Oh. You gotta readjust here. I'm gonna pause. Oh, I can't pause. I have to stop it. I'm just gonna keep rolling. I can't pause on this thing. So we're just gonna keep rolling while you're adjusting over here. So anyway, what what the police officer said was that you're not allowed to 
have a sign touch the ground. You had to put the sign on your feet. And I thought that was a little ridiculous. He said it's not that bad today, but that's how it was. So when people get upset, they make these uh, these ridiculous rules. Um, you think if Governor Walker was coming here, that they would make sure that they did not affix anything to a transit fence? Did you see uh, on the way here, there is that big banner affixed to a fence over, um, where was that? It was like right past Walmart over on Capitol. What is that? Uh, I don't know. Is that outreach or something like that? Outreach something or other? Some, some outreach thing. So, anyway, I guess the rules change depending on how rowdy people get and how out of control, or how tightly uh, they want to control. Wasn't there a law that, I don't know if this got passed, like the, the riot law or something like that, that you're not allowed to protest or more than three people is a riot or something? Do you remember this? Uh, no. I don't know. Well, I'm just, I guess I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, but when you look inside yourself, like I've done this before, I've gone to, as a reporter, I've gone to a government meeting where everybody stands up and gives the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't have to do it, but try, do you try not to. I mean, just see what it would take from you to draw from within yourself a test to see whether you can not do it. Even if you don't care, even if you don't mind doing it, Try not to do it. There's the power of the of the, the articulation of the pledge is so great, and the and the public scorn uh, is so great. It, it's just not worth it to protest, even though you don't mean it. Even if you go along with it, you just want to test the amount of programming th that you are. You can't do it even as a test. That is the test. You tested it? Oh yeah. What did you get? Public scorn? Uh. I did it, no, one time, a similar thing, I was at a public hearing in Cookville, Tennessee, I was a reporter, and they had a prayer before the meeting, and I didn't, and I was, you know, I wasn't praying, and I got a text from a cop who was there and said, Mr. Davidian, you were not, you didn't have your eyes closed during the prayer. How did he know? He was like, he looked. Well, he didn't have his eyes closed. No, he didn't. He was there to guard us. Oh. In our freedom. So he did He was guarding our right to pray <laughs> by telling me that I was not praying. So he was the prayer police. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I still got that. I still have that uh, email. <laughs> Your eyes were not closed. Wow. So he was there to watch to see people's eyes He were was there to do whatever he was doing, and he thought he could discredit me. I was attacking the government at that time. <laughs> He thought I would be discredited by showing people that, uh, oh, one time I had uh, uh, a picture of the uh, statue of David. And uh, David, of course, is naked. And it's the most perfect sculpture of the man. I had a federal civil rights case, and they brought in a page from my newspaper that had this picture on it, which is an art story. Look at that. He's got pornography. He's got pornography. And I said, that's the greatest statue, most famous statue 
in the world, and they found that I did not meet their standards and that it was not censorship to deny me as speech in a forum because it was not fit for children to see. So there is, uh, and that's their freedom. I mean, it's where a, was the picture? It was in a, in my new in a newspaper oh. I published. Oh, it was in the newspaper, and they said that it was pornography. Do you want your children to see this? Yeah, it's art. I want them to get it. It's the most famous art, probably in the world. So. When we talk about land of the free, number one, I think freedom is different in different parts of the country. We don't mean it, and, and quite frankly, the liberals and the, and the civil rights advocates who once stood with the Nazis and their right to protest, even though they hated what they said, they now want to stop speech at universities that is uh, right-wing speech, and that is so against everything that that America is for, we wonder, I, I have to wonder whether this generation that's in college now is so turned against the police state that they are becoming a police state of their own. On the other side. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, and you can't blame people that are, are conservative for being hateful when that happens. Just like the, just like the Nazis would be reinforced if uh, they were not allowed to to march because it's, it's it's what we are, what we share. Is that right? That's where the freedom is. So when we talk, when we just say freedom and the land of the free, it doesn't really mean anything. So it's a you, mar it's a brand. It's like Weber's bread. This is something I've been thinking about too. So you have these conservatives that come on to liberal arts colleges and they. Are promoting what people view as hate speech. Or they they engage in hate speech. They engage in hate speech. <laughs> or not. Maybe they just march. Well, let's say that it's hate speech. What is hate speech? Is that something that incites people to do harm to other people? And at what point is there a point where is there anything that you shouldn't be able to say? Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> Ought not to. Well, uh, well it's like anything else. It shouldn't, do harm. it shouldn't do harm to other people. Is there any position? Can you advocate for philosophy? Can you beg? Can you speak loudly? Uh, I mean, there are. There's time and place there are time and place constraints. You can't go with a megaphone in the middle of the night in a residential area, but it has nothing to do with the content. I think it comes down to this. Freedom, there's a, there's a balance between freedom and security. Yeah. And, I, I, and, and the argument of what is necessary for security. Yes. Because there are implied threats that are that are used to keep us in line. I think we said this before, is if the role of the government is to maintain peace, truth doesn't have anything to do with that. They can just say everything's fine and then everybody's relaxed. That's what we want. We want to be relaxed and don't feel any threat. So they, is it okay for them to lie to us to keep us safe if 
our freedom is taken away by not being able to participate in the decisions about whether we should be lied to. Have you read Cat's Cradle? Yes. It's like it's like that concept where there's the one guy that was like the head of the state. You shouldn't believe in this religion. And the other guy that was the religious leader, but he was like an enemy of the state, but really they were friends or whatever. And but that was the way to control the, the people. Yeah. So instead, what would be a way to be free? Now we're going to get rid of all of our arguments now and engage in this dialogue process. We say, how can we be free, whatever that means, and what would the construct have to be that would allow the freedom that we are going to define? So, well, do we have to define freedom first? Well, I don't know. I don't want to survive at that through this process. Well, to me, to be free is the ability to do whatever you want to do. And to have a functioning society, I don't think that if, every, if everyone had freedom, people are going to act maliciously towards others at some point, or they have the potential to. So you got to have some sort of rules in place to, to um, enable the security. Or do you? I don't know. I like to I like to ask if the civil order broke down now and the police could not maintain order and we were left with our property and no and uh, no police and no money and no anything how would people rearrange themselves socially and or in commerce or with their neighbors would they would they tend, they would group by language groups? Would it be by ethnic groups? Would it be by race? Would it be market based? That if people near the water would make deals with people who were farmers, and that they would they would create uh, a group that they would uh, interact with. If we didn't think in terms of democracy and states and countries and rights and and property, how, how would there be interaction and alignment of people given their needs and uh, skills? I think it would be a little bit of every, all of that, right? Without there being of armed conflict. I think, I think, um, you take a look at, like, the Burning Man Festival. It's yeah. like, that's like an experiment in what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's everyone organizing themselves. There are some rules, I guess, but pretty much it's a free-for-all. Do whatever you want. And a bunch of people organize themselves based on different camps and things that they're into. There's people that like uh, electronic music. There's people that uh, um, like having group sex. There's people that, you know, there's all sorts of different people that, that organize themselves based on similar interests. I guess mostly there it's something on, on similar interests. I've never been, but... Uh... Well, if we, if we were going to anticipate uh, a decline in the authority of the state, how could we have Plan B ready? And how would we go about const- uh, uh, disseminating it and getting... Uh, agreement of people 
that this would be the fallback position. The first thing you'd say is, well, we'd have to vote on it, but that's already falling back to the system that had failed by voting because we only vote, as we know here, by how much money they have or by what lies are told. How can we come? Is there an alternative, or is this like where it was bound to go? Um, it's playing itself out. This is the experiment. Yeah, I mean, the alternative, what's the alternative to democracy? Authoritarianism? There's, well, I mean, are, it's not decided yet. Or, or is there a way where people can just trust each other and, and not be jerks? You know, I was thinking, if you're on an airplane and a terrorist of some kind, let's say terrorist from Group C, is against Group A, and he says, all right, everybody from Group A get on the left side, and everybody from Group B get on the right side. I'm going to kill all the A's. If you were not in the group, you don't get killed. It's only through membership in a group and being a division of, of identifying with something just against something else that there's conflict. If that group didn't exist, there would be no conflict. Yet we want to group. In that situation, but if you have a situation where... I read this memoir of this guy that lived through the Yugoslavian Civil War. And he said the only reason that he survived was because him and his family had weapons and they knew how to use them. And I guess in that situation, you do have Group A and Group B that were fighting against each other. That's the war. That is not the after the war. Because whenever there's a civil war like that, the strong man... Uh, a strong man evolved. Uh, well, it didn't happen here. Well, there was a strong man, but see now. What do you mean by strong man? I mean Gaddafi or, uh, or uh, Saddam Hussein, or you get a you get somebody that controls, and if you go against them, you die. There's that kind of. Or there has to be somebody to enforce the will of the winner. What happened here? They agreed before. They had Plan B. And they announced Plan B. And then they fought for it. But we're talking about when it crumbles. We're starting maybe, from scratch. Know, yeah, starting in the ashes. Not in the scratch. Starting in a hole. Maybe maybe it's best to arrive at, the, at Plan B first. And then just announce it. And then you fight for it. What about so? Could that happen in this free democracy? Could we could we say we're going to read we're going to come up with Plan B now? Would they let us even arrive at Plan B? Who's there? The, the government. If we're free, if we're free in this country, can we say we want a plan for the eventual what civil uh, society will be if there is a civil society and what it would. Con- consist of, can we do that openly and say when we're done we're going to overthrow the government? That would be seem to be freedom. We could try. I mean, we have the freedom to try. We try? How would we do that? Well, that's the point. We, we would have, that's what we're talking about. How would we do that? We would, 
And why should we do it? Because it'll avoid bloodshed and chaos when society just fails. I think the way to do that is we would have to elect people that run on that. So you think you want to do it within the system? I want to see how else you could do it. I'm looking for the beyond. I don't know how else you do it. That's what we're trying to find out. We don't know how else, so we're going to try to understand for the first time what it would take. It would have to be maybe a new discovery of some kind. Something that everybody would say, I get this. Free energy. Would that change everything? I don't know. How about a how about a, a guaranteed salary? Yeah, guaranteed income. But that's still within the framework. I don't know. You know What about private property? What if all private what if all property was public? Yeah. But who's going to agree to that? People who don't have property. So that's the task. To be free, we have to find a way to create a society in which we can be free. And it is not one where we're ruled by people who have an interest in continuing to rule us. Maybe term limits uh, would be something. But that's still the same construct same water battles, the same, uh, you know, border wars. So are you saying, how do we be free with no government, or no. can there still be government? I'm saying what, would there, what is necessary to be free without conflict? Without conflict. Because we're trying to avoid these people with guns trying to establish order and a perimeter around their property because the state can no longer do it. Can we plan on the eventuality of a failed state? And some people stash gold. and say, when this happens, proper money's not going to be worth anything to have gold. That's how they hedge their bets. Can we hedge our bets? And, how, and what would that mean as far as freedom goes? Maybe freedom's not good. Maybe we're just told freedom is good. That's part of the marketing thing. You know, if you say there's no carbs in water, of hello, of course, that's because people want no carbs. Water never had carbs. They're packaged, they're, they're promoting something that is meaningless. It's just an idea. And that idea enslaves us to be labor for, the, for a machine that is controlled by the richest people in the world that need labor to enrich themselves through industry. Well, that's ironic, isn't it? Because we believe in freedom, we're doomed to be enslaved to it's, work for the machine. It's the word. Yeah. This is this was a de juvenile's theory that once they gave you the vote, they handed you the knapsack to go to to go to war to protect ourselves. Before you had to vote, you wouldn't go you wouldn't go fight for the king or something. The king couldn't go to war until they gave the property owner some some uh, privileges. <laughs> there, there's a area in Europe, I think, is it Denmark? They have uh, a little city that's its own sovereign state, or they let it be its own sovereign state. Liechtenstein? What is it? Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein? 
and sort of a little experiment in anarchy because no one really runs it. There's drugs and prostitution and people set up their little shops and stuff. There's little experiments like that all over the place. I wonder if it'd be... Is there one here? There's one... Burning Man. There's Burning Man. There's but a... That's just, that's just a, like a festival. Uh, there's a city that I just heard about. They do like a little Burning Man there where... Uh, it's like uh, a deserted city. And I forgot what happened there. Some sort of disaster. It's just like wasteland. So they have like a this like Burning Man festival type festival there every year, where they leave all of the art there, so the art makes it become vibrant in itself. This is in the United States. Yeah, it's uh, in California somewhere. You know, I would, one another way to approach this, kind of like editing. People say there's too much regulation, there's too much regulation, and we've got to get the government. Let's look at all the regulations, and let's go through what we don't want regulated anymore. Do you want to have the health department regulate food? Do you want to have uh, do you want to have the air monitored and be some kind of regulation to what people can put in the air? What do what are we willing to not regulate? Are we willing to regulate doctors or, or give up regulation of doctors? And this just goes through the list of check off the things that are not essential to society. In the start, that would be one way. It's like take out all the extra words of a sentence. You still get the you still get the meaning. Like I, I wouldn't want the air. I wouldn't want uh, air travel not to be regulated. I was talking with a guy that he owns a. He sells birds, like all sorts of birds, uh, bird eggs, and all this stuff. And there's all these different regulations in different states to sell these different animals. Apparently. To have a white swan on a pond, there needs to be a cage around it. Black swan's okay. You don't need a cage around a black swan. But a white swan on a pond needs a cage around it. So there's probably some incident that happened at some point, And somebody made a law and they said, okay, no more swans. We don't want these guys attacking anyone. How many laws are like that? And, and you know, now I'm going through this startup process and I have to incorporate, and so I incorporate in Delaware because it's really easy to incorporate in Delaware. But now I gotta pay some money to have a for to, to be able to do business in Wisconsin, and to do business in every single state, I have to pay money and get a certificate that says I can do business in that state. And you've got to have a registered agent so people can sue you. Yeah, it's all this crap. So, so the problem is to articulate because what we're trying to do is get to some place we haven't been to before as a result of, of this talk, can we, what we want to know is, what's the process, if it is a process, that would come up with or would result in a bloodless change uh, in society if the government were to fail, and how do how do we go about gathering together, and what would be the rules by which we would undertake and accept that plan? That's 
just just a question. Just, just leave the question. I think it's a distribution of resources. I think the the reason that that we have conflict is because people don't have resources, and we have, I think, an abundance of resources on this planet that we can easily take care of everybody. One thing we talked about before, but we didn't. I don't think we got it on tape. Is there's a finite amount of resources, and we haven't done the math to see how many people this planet can uh, provide for without uh, losing our uh, quality of life. That is, you still want to walk in the mountains, and if you still want to go swimming we'd have to have fewer people because otherwise we'd have to use some of that land to grow food for these people. Right? 13 billion people is what I've heard before. Is that it? That's the... So how about in the United States? What's the most people this country growing food and fish and, and can just get rid of their trash and, and can live with the exhaust? What's the most people... And you're talking with today's technology. We might have new technology so that, you know... Just this deal with what we have. Is there... Okay, or is there a projection? I mean, you can't really. When when the president says I'm cutting back on the on the emissions limits, uh, the number would would go up, right? It would go up because we don't have because. Uh, well, I don't know. Would it go up or down? But emissions. It, yeah. Emission standards going down, and it'd be more money. Uh, companies would make more money. Cars would be cheaper, but there would be uh, something like that. Somebody's ideology can have an impact on how many people can live by incentivizing certain behavior. Yeah, I mean, we have to agree. How many square feet do we want everybody to have? And how do we create our immigration laws and our farming and our water so that that happens? Well, it depends on what you mean by need. There's a guy that's uh, building these earthships, and he says there's six things that you need. I can't remember what they are, but you need food, you need place to shit, you need comfort, you need I don't know, a couple other things. And so he's built... Uh, homes out of clay and you don't have to have electricity and they have certain ventilation systems that it heats and you can grow your own food in there. And if everyone decided, oh yeah, we can live this way, what would that do? What would that do to the number? What What's the minimum requirement that we need? What's the minimum viable population? That we would all agree that we won't have any left. Let's say some guy that's got 150 acres is not going to want to settle for 40 square feet. But he only gets one vote. You don't get to vote based on the number of feet you have. Why are we voting? Well, we're talking about in this world. Oh. I thought we were talking about Plan B. Well, you want to talk, we're talking about, we're talking about yeah. I, tell me what we're talking about. I don't know what we're talking we can, about. We can talk about what you want to talk about. Can we talk about what we're talking about? We're talking about what the Earth can sustain, and it doesn't matter which plan we're talking about. The Earth can sustain something. This is a consideration for Plan B. 
Okay, and plan A. It needs to be a consideration for everything. That's a reality. The earth can only provide for so many people and, and uh, add a certain quality of life. You can have all of the people living in a very small area and the rest of it farmland, but you wouldn't have any space to, to privacy. You'd have three families in one, one room. Or you can have spread out and give people a little more land. You'd have to have fewer people because there'd be less space to grow food. This is the kind of, there's not this kind of planning where we just say, oh, I'm going to cut the emissions. It's, it's, they haven't taken into consideration the consequences to the other areas. Anyway, we're going to pick this up next time. So where are we leaving off here? What, so our homework is to figure out how much uh, the population what, can be sustained on the planet Earth. All right. If any listeners out there know what the population can be sustained on planet Earth, please uh, hit us up at uh, Facebook or uh, in the comments. I don't know if this thing has comments. If there's comments, put it in the comments. Put it on Twitter. My handle is uh, at Puck Harbor Mind. I don't know how to use Twitter, but tweet me and tell me how to do it. That'd be cool. All, All right. right. This is Kyle Puck Harbor. And this is Jeff Davidian on the Vienna Avenue Bridge over the Interstate 43 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Catch All right. you dudes later. All right. Peace out, guys. Thank you for listening to another riveting episode of the Seeking Truth podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I just did a quick Google search to find out that the Earth can support up to 10 billion people, uh, as one estimate says. And who knows what will happen once um, we have parts of Florida and California and New York going underwater because of the rapid ice melting of the uh, glaciers. And as that happens, sea levels rise and we lose a lot of our coastal cities. Uh, So who knows what's going to happen. And with the limited amount of space we have on the planet, we can only hold so much, right? So If anyone else has any comments or thoughts about how to support all of the Earth's people as the population continues to grow, uh, please reach out to me or Jeff or put a comment in the SoundCloud or you could reach out on Facebook or Twitter at Pacabermind and at DeadlineBoy is mine and Jeff's uh, Twitter handle. So... uh, Well, I will uh, play you out with Bob Marley's redemption song, and I will leave you with this. Uh, He urges us to uh, emancipate yourself from mental slavery, because uh, none but ourselves can free our minds.
say in just a part of it, we got the fulfill.